Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Alex Evans, Bike Radar's technical editor, and today I am joined by two lovely guests. One is a first-time appearance for MBUK's newest employee, Will Soff. Hello, Will. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you, Alex. Uh, Yeah, just uh, trying to get my feet under the desk, as they say, and uh, hit the ground running uh, in my new job as staff writer at MBUK. Lovely. And second guy who is a podcast regular, maybe even the pioneer of Bike Radar's podcast, some might say, is Bike Radar's other technical editor, Tom Marvin. How are you, Tom? I'm all right, Al. Yeah, very well. Thank you very much. Yes. You're, all good. You're looking lovely today with your swish microphone set up, white earphones, and intelligent glasses. Thank you. Yeah, I've actually. Um, Given that we're now doing little bits of social clips on, on the old Insta, I've changed my background so you can't see my horrible um, early mid-90s uh, textured ceiling uh, and now have a, a lovely green wall that I am now sitting against because I, I realised that I looked, looked pretty grim in previous videos. Your posture hasn't improved though, I will add. Although your background is better, you're still looking incredibly relaxed, recumbent, some may say. <laughs> Always, always. Cool. Right, so today we are going to be talking about a controversial and lifelong mountain bike debate. Do hardtails still have a place? I can hear everyone getting sweaty palms and riled up at that question. (laughs) Um, our, Our two lovely staff members have taken diametrically opposed views on whether they think they should still have a place in the scene. Um, I believe Tom is incredibly pro-hardtail, militantly so. Watch out. You you wouldn't believe how pro-hardtail I really, uh, really am. And, and Will uh, has, has um, maybe drawn the short straw, I don't know, we shall find out in the course of this debate, and is anti-hardtail. But he did uh, hasten to add uh, open-minded. Um, I, I think Will's the more militant of the two of us because uh, when we started uh, discussing doing this, there, w- there was no like, oh, shall I do the hardtail? Will was straight in with, I ain't doing hardtails. So I <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we know what side Will, Will falls on, yeah. Will is anti-hardtail. He does not like to have his bones shaken <laughs> two bits and his eyeballs rattled out of their sockets. Oh, perhaps I'm just too delicate. I don't know. cool well before we get into the heated debate uh, thank god we are all uh, socially distanced over several hundred miles so that we can't actually wring each other's necks what have you guys been up to and let's start with will because beyond getting your feet under the table i'm sure there's a couple of other things you've been doing um so the most exciting thing i've done recently is i went uh with luke marshall to bike park wales and joined him for shooting the downhill bike group test that he's doing and um i felt very lucky to be able to ride some of the best bikes uh, on the best trails back to back and uh kind of draw my own conclusions which was which was really cool what which uh which bikes has luke got in that test so he has the specialised demo, uh, which is set up mullet, 
He's got the Mondraker, uh, the Carbon Saracen Mist, and he's got the Canyon Sender. So a nice strong selection of four extremely fast uh, downhill bikes there. And I, th- I think between those bikes, there's quite a serious racing pedigree um, of, of results, actually, in, in the most recent race season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see to see kind of which ones come out on top. What were, what were your initial impressions? Um, so I think the most fun to ride for me was the demo. Like, I'm a bit of a sucker for bikes that are set up mullet. Um, it's got a seriously low BB, quite a short back end, and that's what I tend to like myself. So in terms of fun, that was definitely something I just, I couldn't wait to grab it and get on it. Um, and then the, I wasn't sure what the fastest was because we didn't do any stopwatch based stuff. Um, but the Mondraker felt like it it was hustling along really nicely. Um, but yeah, just for fun, for grabbing and doing a big whip off a table or doing a cutty, that Specialized was up there. Awesome. So it sounds fitting then that you're um, you're going to be vouching for the full suspension bike in this podcast. Yeah, I've been experiencing the full eight inches. So, yeah. so you have <laughs> of rear suspension travel, well, you well, filthy-minded listener. <laughs> well, before before you sort of properly cracked on with them, UK, you were out in Europe, weren't you? Will were you? Um, did I spot on Instagram, Navi Mesto? That's it. Yeah. So. Um, what were you I doing was asked there? by British Cycling to go out and uh, mechanic for the under-23s and under-18 riders who were doing the World Cup cross-country. I went out with uh, with British Cycling and uh, Pete, uh, Polish Pete, was the mechanic for the, the older riders. Uh, so he was dealing with them and I had a, a lot of the younger ones. So the non-exciting bits were driving vans around, washing bikes and getting the pit set up. The exciting bits were being in the technical area for uh, the women's elite race at uh, at Nova Mesto, which was amazing, and uh, being able to watch uh, the guys in Albstadt, which was uh, yeah, a really cool course. Incredible. So, you know, I mean, beyond the, uh, the other things that you clearly have a, a real ingrained um, pedigree, shall we say, in the, the cycling industry. So I think MBK are very lucky to have to have you on on board i think you're a, a great addition to the team so big oh, big thumbs up from everyone thanks thanks very much how i don't think my headphones are fitting so well anymore <laughs> my head's got so big um okay so tom um i guess your life has maybe been a little um I, I, i'm going to speculate a little less exciting than cross-country world cup um caretaking it it has it has. Uh, what have I done? I took some manual leave, which is always a mistake, um, but it was lovely. Uh, I went to London um, with a girlfriend and bankrupted myself on food. Um, and then um, I did a little feature with the guys at Merida uh, where we, we decided to, because there's not been many, uh, I like doing a bit of racing um, of, you know, 10, 12 hour sort of stuff. I, I enjoy that somehow. Um, and we decided because there wasn't a huge amount of that going on and also when you do like a 12 hour race you do the same lap over and over and over and it does actually get a little bit dull so we decided we'd do 12 hours of down country um, and we took some down country bikes um, and basically rode the best bits in the general area of Minehead there's loads of like enduro tracks um, loads of like really good single tracks big climbs steep stuff and we basically rode around there for 12 hours um, in the process of which I fell off bust my knee and um i've i think sprained my wrist um and so i haven't ridden or climbed in a week um 
and I have continued to eat uh, as I would have done if I'd been riding a long time. Um, so I've been putting on weight recently, which has been good. That's fine. I mean, I, I've noticed a few things there. You did the casual flex of a 12-hour ride. Um, oh, you know, you know, nothing much. <laughs> no big yeah. deal. Um, but also, also, you must be incredibly trained at the moment to be able to, except for obviously the uh, severe injuries you've suffered. But I, I, I'll tell you a secret, Al. When you're dragging around photographers and videographers for 12 hours, you don't actually ride that much because oh. it takes so much time to do stuff. So I think actually we, we, we you know, we were out, we were out for 12 hours, but I think probably actual riding time wasn't 12 hours. Okay. Um, but it's, it was a good day. It was a good day. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of work have you got upcoming? I, I know last time, and I think maybe every time we, we've spoken in a podcast, there's been a, there's been an impending <laughs> wheels and uh, brakes group test. But I have an impending wheels and, and brakes group test, um, which hasn't progressed since the last podcast or the podcast before that, or probably the podcast before that, because life keeps getting in the way. Um, and it's now getting quite imminent that my wheels group test is due uh and i'm stressing out about that um, so that's good uh, I, I think um, uh, yeah. i think what you could do to help that is just take some annual leave that's probably what i should do isn't it yeah, yeah. take some time off bikes yeah. uh, not think about bikes and then probably come back slightly injured so i can't actually ride bikes for a little bit again that'd be good wouldn't yeah. it yeah yeah um al i i know that you've been playing on something you're a bit stressed today as well everyone's stressed at the moment yeah um <laughs> yeah you're especially stressed because in approximately what six hours you've got a particularly Im- important embargo opening um which handler you learned about was it yesterday and had to ride the bike yesterday and take the photos yesterday and do everything yesterday yeah that sounds about right um i mean you know it's just the the small matter of uh, of nino Scherter's uh, signature scott rc uh, scott spark rc and scott spark 900 uh, 2022 bike being launched so mm. you know not a very big deal to find out about that nbd uh, nothing no, no worries to find out about that just uh, just yesterday um but i hunkered down i started at 6 a.m um yesterday morning to get the news story written and then went out for uh, just a short 32k um cross-country ride um just yeah i mean g- genuinely a 32k cross-country ride's not not a huge amount is it um, it's not just to get some initial ride crash impressions. And then I scrambled around with my uh, disposable Kodak camera. Um, the pictures are currently in, <laughs> oh, the, they're currently in the dark room um, <laughs> uh, getting developed. I think um, my partner, Harriet, she's, she's busy down there uh, in, in the basement, um, in the, the guts of the, guts of the, the work. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take photos of them with a digital camera and upload them to the internet. I'm not quite sure how you get Kodaks on the, on the internet, but we'll, we'll work it out. Um, so anyway, yeah, long story short, rode this, uh, rode this lovely, quite, quite impressively light and speedy brand new, brand new Scott Spark RC. Um, I had the, um, Sorry, I, I rode the not not the best model. It's still the team issue, so it's got SRAM GX access, um, but doesn't have the fancy Fraser IC uh, integrated bar and stem. Um, it was just the you know standard standard bar and stem, but the bike's really 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 light and really fast. Um, so much so that you just end up punishing yourself on the climbs and on the flats. It's one of those ones that you're like, well, I'm just going to keep pedaling because I can. Um, 
Anyway, check out Bike Radar if you haven't already done so for my news story and initial ride impressions. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get another model sometime soon for a full review. Um, so keep tuned, keep tuned for that one. Um, set for that, it's always just business as usual, bikes coming and going, emails being sent. Um, you know what it's like, dear listeners. Cool. Right. Well, I think that I think that about wraps up Good the uh, wraps up the introduction. Let's delve into the meat of this um, chunky podcast. Tom, why do you like hardtails so much? I don't know, really. Every time I ride them, I'm like, "What am I doing?" Uh, it's not true. It's not true. I actually, um, my long term bike this year for MBUK is a hardtail. It's a, a Marin Elroy. Um, which is their sort of enduro hardtail. Um, so it's it's very slack. It's got a head angle of 63.5 degrees. Uh, it's got a very steep seat angle of around 78 degrees. Uh, and it's got a reach of 505 mil. So it's very long. Um, and I think that that is... It starts to blur the lines between what one might think is a normal hardtail and what think one thinks is a is a full sus for the simple reason that the the length and the the aggressive geometry makes it basically as calm and as comfortable as a hardtail is possible to get um and therefore it actually doesn't feel as unpleasant as hardtails can feel if you sort of deem that sort of rattly very connected slightly well very harsh kind of out of control sort of feeling that hardtails often have. So which uh, which kind of part of the bike do you reckon is is contributing to removing that feeling? Do you think do you think it's mostly the geometry or do you think there's like a bit of the inherent I flame, think it's... flame, frame? Uh, what, what do you want to call it? What's the word that all of us journalists use um, all the time? It's not flex. Oh, compliance. Compliance. Oh, lovely. No. I don't think the, I mean, it's a steel frame. Uh, you know, I think some back-to-back testing of steel, aluminium, and titanium. I mean, it's actually a feature I want to get going um, for radar soon enough. But anyway, I, I don't think that's going to play a huge part. I think the two things that make the difference with that particular bike, and I will talk about other bikes. We're going to talk about cross-country, I think, in a bit, um, and other bits and pieces. But I think that with that specific bike and other bikes of that ilk, so um, the Kona Honzu ASD, for example, um, the Pol Taival, et cetera, et cetera, is... One, the wheel length is really long. So when you're pitching up and over bumps, because the wheels are so far apart, those pitches are slightly less accentuated than they might otherwise be. Um, you also have sort of the head angle, which is, you know, because it's nice and slack, the you know, frontal sort of impacts through the fork are sort of pushing the fork back into itself a bit more than sort of bumping it up and over, if that kind of makes sense. I'm riffing as I go. Um, but also the other big thing is um, big, heavy, damped tyre at the back. Um, so it comes with a Maxxis Asagai 2.6 by 29 or 29 by 2.6 double down. So that's the not quite DH, but basically the very thick, very well damped casing in its um, max grip compound, which is basically the stickiest, tackiest, most damped rubber um, that they offer. And it basically before I removed it, because it drag, it's like the slowest tire in the world also. Um, it is, uh, it just gives an extra level of composure to the bike that you might not otherwise get. And since swapping that tire out, I just haven't got from any other tire. So that, that all sounds entirely convincing and I'm, I'm completely on board, but uh, I guess, I guess Will is there kind of scratching his chin going, this is begging the question. 
Surely, if you take all of that amazing stuff that makes that hardtail incredible and put rear suspension on it, you're only going to make it better. Well, yeah, I, I'm a bit of a fan of, of the full suspension mountain bike. Um, I think that they had hardtails in about 1890 and they used to call them bone shakers. And I think that's uh, <laughs> it still stands. Um, I, I'm not sure what it is. I've had the, the the pleasure of riding some really good hardtails. Like I've been on uh, the Charge Blender, which is you know regarded as a really good hardtail. Um, had a DMR Sidekick for many years. I raced four cross on a Spank hardtail. And in terms of like power delivery and directness, obviously they're amazing. Like you you can't really get any better. But with modern full suspensions, you get a lot of the directness of a hardtail due to pedaling platforms, stiff frames. Uh, you've got boosts now, got all sorts of things that help stiffen up a full suspension design. But you've also got the advantage of having a lot more grip. You've got a lot more compliance. And then to me, the crux of it is I don't think that hardtails feel very balanced. Like the way, especially when you start putting bigger forks on them, which people seem to do, the dynamic geometry is as you compress the suspension fork the the head angle gets steeper whereas if you've got a bike that's four inch travel front and rear the head angle will stay the same no matter how much you compress the 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 fork front and and the suspension on the back so i find hardtails feel a bit unbalanced to me um so i have a bmx which i love so i'm not i'm not against things without suspension i just think hardtails feel a bit odd to ride to me but i'm aware that that's a that's a personal opinion I, th- I think that's a totally fair, um, fair argument for against the hardtail. Is the dynamic jump changes are noticeable, um, and and they are an issue. And I think that's probably where. Uh, so I reckon later on we should talk about cross country um, as a slightly separate argument. If we're talking about sort of the more aggressive end of bikes at the moment, I, I think I do struggle with hardtails that have a lot of travel. Um, I've got a test coming up of sort of reasonably boutique but hardcore hardtails and I'd like them to all be limited really to about 140 mil of travel because as you say when you squash that fork you're adding a good couple of degrees to the head angle at least towards the bottom out which you know if you're going down something steep or if you if you're sort of in a corner or something just makes everything quite squirrely a little bit more nervous than maybe it needs to be um but that again comes in, you know, if, if you're having like a head angle of 63, 64 degrees, there should be that little bit of leeway in there, which is, I, w- I would hope. And certainly with the Marin, I'd, I'd say that that's generally the I mean, case. You also, um, you hear, hear brands like BTR, um, and I'm sure Paul Burford from BTR would be, um, you know, screaming down the, down the Microsoft Teams meeting here because he, he is a proponent that actually all you need is a hardtail. Um, and he's, you know, he's raked his head angles out to... Were they like 62, 61, something like that? And I think the last BTR I tested was it was 63 okay. and a half, 64, okay. I think. But again, you they're custom geometry, okay. so yeah. um, and you know, he, he he's put boxers. I know his personal bike has a boxer on the front, or at least did for a, a short period of time. Okay, it wasn't the 200 mil travel one, it was the 170 or whatever. Um yeah, I mean, whoa, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, recently I, I, I rode um, a Merida Big Trail 500, which I think has a 140 mil travel fork or maybe 130. Um, super slack geometry, dead long wheelbase, um, really comfortable feeling reach, great when you're standing up, incredible bike for descending. Um, and 
kind of in my review, the conclusion was that, well, it actually rides pretty similar to a short travel trail bike. Um, and it's quite surprising. You know, I was, I was quite surprised by, by how, how similar it was. Okay. It wasn't quite as fast. Um, but you know, it was good fun. But then again, I had a bad back after riding it. I couldn't see. My head was nodding everywhere. My helmet fell down over my brow. My glasses fell off, and I lost my bum bag. You just got to ride smoother, Earl. So, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've ridden. I've ridden behind you on a full session. You are one of the smoothest riders I've ever met. But um, maybe you just need to ride even smoother. Okay, smoother. Earl. Magic carpet compliance. I mean, when when you're riding, well, like. You, are you, are you, what is it that you're looking from, from a bike, from a ride? Is it pure, you know, like I know sort of our former colleague, Seb, RIP, gone to pink bike. God bless. Um, was well into going um, as fast as possible, seemingly every single where, you know, everywhere he could. You, is that, is that a similar sort of approach that you have or? Uh, well, I think if I'm riding cross country or forecast, yeah, I just, obviously I want to get where I'm going as, as fast as I can, but like I will very easily get distracted at a bike park from a gnarly technical challenging black to a blue that I just want to do the longest manuals and the biggest scrubs that I possibly can so I, I definitely enjoy just just messing about and I, I don't find that hardtail feels as comfortable to me like I'll go to ramp world on my BMX and I, I just love it I think it's great but then if I'm going to the bike park I'll, I'll choose a, a 130 mil full sus over pretty much anything else and unless I am doing gnarly off-road like downhill style stuff so do, do you think that's the the extra kind of forgiveness given by the full suspension bike more over the the dynamic geometry or what what do you think it is that's kind of making you choose that full sasser over a hardtail I think I just, I'm a sucker for the way like you just g out into a berm and you can just feel the bike sort of squash <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 like you could just feel like everything sucking down. And I find that with a hardtail, like it's like it's cool when you're manualing it. But yeah, I, I just find it's like almost scary, like on the limit. Whereas like a full suspension, you, you've got a bit of a bit of extra grip, a bit of extra traction to, to play with and to get you out of trouble. And also, if you're if you're coming up a lip, I find the way that a full suspension bike handles as you're compressing it into the takeoff or you're doing a scrub or a whip, I find that it feels very balanced to me. Whereas like hardtails, I find I'm almost, I'm having to overthink to make up for the fact that the geometry is changing as I'm, I'm going up there. But yeah. As, as someone who obviously scrubs and whips an awful lot, um, I I definitely find that on the hardtail, I, I, I don't scrub or whip ever. Um, I did I did scrub, no, I whipped once by mistake and I thought I was going to die. But anyway, that's a, another story. Uh, certainly with a, I, I find myself having ridden like a hardtail quite a lot recently and obviously previously having ridden a lot of full sus quite a lot. I'm definitely, I definitely find that the, I find it more difficult on, uh, it's a different set of techniques and a different set of feeling, as you say, on those sort of more bike parky or sort of jumpy, bits of track where you need where where the forces really does help with those things um i think that's a fair i don't know what my point was now my probably my point was that i can't scribble whip very well <laughs> um are, are we going to talk <laughs> about about pricing and budget guys i don't want to steal anyone's thunder well if if you'd like to i think i think we can um i think we can probably stretch the gigabytes of uh internet memory to 
increase the length of this podcast to incorporate that into our discussion. Because, I mean, it's a, it's a great point. Um, full suspension bikes are more expensive than hardtails for an equivalently specced um, bike. So, Will, how would you circumvent that issue, given you're the proponent of full suspension bikes? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. I was just going to completely undermine my own argument by saying uh, how much better value they are. Um, <laughs> I think it, in terms of in terms of RRP, I think the, the more you spend, the less extra you're having to spend to get a full sus. But if you are looking down the the sort of better value entry level end of the market, I think a hardtail is always going to offer a better value than a full suspension. Um, I think for certain kinds of riding, it's worth stretching your budget and future-proofing yourself and getting a full sus. But yeah, like I say, I'm going to undermine my argument by saying it's definitely, there's a strong case if you're starting out and getting a a decent hardtail. Um, Handling idiosyncrasies aside, I mean, obviously it's something people deal with, cross-country riders, four-cross races, and people who love hardtails can go incredibly fast on them. Um, and yeah, I was just going to mention also that you're saving yourself 40 to 80 quid a year in changing your pivot bearings and then a hundred quid every six months to a year, uh, service in your shock. So it, it, it is cheaper in terms of running costs as well. I, I, uh, I applaud you for your fastidious maintenance schedules. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think this ties into the whole like, there's there's often been that argument that you know if you're getting into mountain biking if, if you're you know beginner you know all that sort of jazz you should be starting on a you should learn your trade on a hardtail now you know as as like a fan of hardtails I think that's absolute bollocks but um, do you think that is is that a fair point? Is this to me or Al or both? Uh, Either well, of you if take you're it. Opening it up to the room, like I've I've heard both ways. Like I've heard. People who say the same as you, which is, if you can ride a bike, you can ride a bike. It doesn't matter if you start off on a hardtail. Um, and you're seeing kids younger and younger coming up with with nice 24-inch and 20-inch wheeled full suspensions. Um, and then you look at someone like Manon Carpenter, world champion. Um, Jason Carpenter, her dad, uh, said she had to ride a hardtail for a number of years before she could get on a full sus to learn the ropes. And obviously the rainbow stripes kind of could testify that that was valid so yeah i'm not sure i mean i guess you could you could split the argument up into two camps couldn't you you could go you could go absolutely crazy for it and say well a hardtail's not enough why don't you only learn to ride on a bmx or a rigid um until you've cut your teeth enough to warrant to be worthy of a suspension fork or, you know, you could flip it the other way and just be like, well, if you can ride a bike, you can ride a bike. Terribly sorry to all those people who don't have that natural gift. Unlucky. Um, I guess But I guess the arguments go that, you know, on, on a hard tail, you, you've got to be a bit more considered about line choice because, you know, you, you want to be riding smoothly. You want to be picking your line over things. So it makes you think more about the trail, more about what's going on. You might have a bit more sort of technique as to how to get that rear wheel to move smoothly over the terrain. You know, X, Y, Z. So it develops those sort of inherent riding skills that do translate to full sus. On the flip side, though, running full sus gives you a bit more, 
margin for error. So if you're, if you're riding your barrel into something and you get it wrong, you might actually get away with it. You can learn from your mistakes. And also, you know, if you're new to riding and you crash a lot because, you know, you, you're hitting stuff you don't know, if you're crashing less, that's probably going to keep you engaged in the sport for a bit longer. Yeah, or at least out of the hospital. Out of the hospital, not cutting your teeth, literally yeah. on rocks. I mean, I think from from my perspective, even though I'm not supposed to really chime in my opinion because that's not my role in this podcast, um, I'm sorry, but I, I think um, I, I learned to ride on a hardtail um, and I'm very grateful for it. I think that without those base skills that I learned, i.e. how to puncture my rear tyre on a kerb many times over. Um, uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as media core as I am today. Um, you know, I'd probably still be a beginner. <laughs> I've seen your Strava, Al. You're, you're a fast boy, don't uh, worry. Only one on an e-bike. Just give me an e-bike. There we go. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are definitely some key, key elements to, to um, learning how to ride a bike that are definitely quicker to learn not easier but quicker or maybe the consequences are higher maybe it's not even quicker um of doing it on a hardtail um you know i think i've definitely noticed going back to a hardtail has made me think a bit more about how i'm riding you know some things have become harder pumping the bike through sort of little rollers making sure that you know you're catching the back of the roots instead of the front of them you know like there is more to think about but and i definitely think there's places so I guess moving, so there's places where hardtails work better than they do in some places. So I, I sort of figured, right, on, on flatter tracks, flatter twisty tracks, where there's a lot of pedaling input, a lot of acceleration, deceleration, maybe slightly smoother. I think a hardtail works reasonably well there, like if you're not really relying on it. When you get to really steep stuff, like really steep stuff, again, I actually think a hardtail works pretty darn well. The back wheel on a, on a, on a full sus, I don't think the suspension gives you as much as it might be in other situations. Um, and certainly if you're, you know, if you've got the fork running, so it's fairly propped up, it doesn't sort of dive through its travel too bad. I, I don't think you lose out too much. I think where the hardtail really starts to struggle for me is on those medium grade trails. You know, you, you actually your typical trail where you're going, you're going fairly fast, but it's fairly chunky. There might be some jumps and drops and lots of roots and rocks. And that's sort of where the hardtail maybe, maybe struggles uh, in comparison. Okay. Well, I'm just going to add to that by, by kind of, well, I'll round it off maybe. So if you're starting off and you're on a hardtail, um, the back wheel is going to break loose more easily. And that's something that is absolutely core, almost whatever cycling or two-wheeled sport you're doing. If you can learn to deal with the back wheel breaking loose and get into a big slide, get it back and feel comfortable with it sliding, you've got less grip on the back of a hardtail. So you're going to have more slides. You're going to be able to learn to control that slide at a lower speed and uh also pumping if you're trying to generate speed from the trail it's more straightforward on a hardtail because you've not got rear suspension kind of sucking away that energy you're putting into the trail so you get a big reward for a pump and also if you do catch a sort of square edge bump or something that you're coming towards the hardtail will slow down a lot more than a full suspension so I think as a training tool, there's a lot to be said for that. Right. So let's let's uh, let's try and cut this down to a bit of a conclusion for trail riding, at least, or you know maybe descent focused or mountain enduro trail down country down country um, whatever discipline you want to call it. So it, it sounds like that actually um, 
you, you maybe just want to pick the one that you fancy. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit a bit beige in summary, but I think I think a hard tail's not as good as a full set in virtually every situation. It doesn't make them less fun. Ooh. Will's nice. agreeing. For 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 the, the, the sake of podcast, Will is is nodding his head. Um so okay. So let let's talk a little bit about cross country then, because I I know, you know, Tom Tom did say we wanted to touch on that as well. Um and it's been interesting actually over the last few years, you've seen major cross country rider names dibbling and dabbling in and out of full suspension bikes, you know, quite a few still ride hardtails on the World Cup scene. Um, also, quite a few are now riding full susses. Um, so clearly, the 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 verdicts kind of you know the jury's still out on the verdicts there. Um, but I, I I guess Will, you're probably going to say that the the full sus full sus cross country bikes actually are, are going to be better. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in cross country um, as a discipline, but from what I saw at the last two World Cup rounds. Um, at Albstadt, where the track was arguably smoother with longer climbs and longer descents, there were a few riders going for a hardtail. And presumably that's due to the directness of the drive from the pedals getting to the back wheel. And then at Novomesto in the Czech Republic, there was, I'd say, the vast majority of riders on full suspensions because that track was incredibly challenging and difficult. And you really needed the extra traction from a full suspension to get up the hill. Um, I'm not sure how much weight comes into it in terms of the riders finding there's there's a bit of a weight penalty with a full sus. And also the majority of the riders were running lockout as well on the rear shocks of their full suspensions. So yeah, there's there's an awful lot of factors to to take into account there. I suspect I've always sort of thought the, you know, when, when we're talking about the differences between bikes, whether it's weight, uh, hardtail versus full sus, all that sort of stuff, I think a lot gets lost um, from almost the psychological aspects of it. You know, like a a hardtail is lighter than a full suspension bike. And whether it makes a huge difference or not on on a climb where it's YZ, I suspect there's a a lot more psychology going on in in those races as well. Um, And on a, you know, Alpstar is known as sort of a course where hardtails can perform pretty well. It is pretty smooth. It's got some steep, but it's also got some long climbs. And the descents aren't exactly that technical. Um, other than in a few little added bits that they've done in recent years, I think. But I suspect there's a lot that goes through the head, through the minds of the racers, knowing that, right, I'm on the lightest bike possible. This is going to make a difference on those climbs. So, um, I mean, I'm going to put you guys both on the spot here. Sorry, because I don't have the answer to this question. Um, At both those World Cups, can you remember whether the winning bikes were full suspension bikes or hardtails? Everyone's looking. Navia Mesto was full sus. yeah. And Albstadt, I'm not 100%. I'm not 100 sure. It wouldn't surprise me if it was full sus, but there were people racing hardtails at Albstadt in the upper echelons in both men and women. Okay, so that incredibly inconclusive evidence suggests <laughs> um, <laughs> suggests that full, full suspension bikes um, have 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 won. Um, sorry, Tom, you you lose. No, I'm I'm joking. I mean, I, I, you know, kind of going back to the psychology thing, I wonder what would happen if you turned around to the, the professional riders and told them, yeah, the full suspension bike's ever so slightly heavier, but you'll get more grip, you won't be as tired, and there's no loss of power transfer. I wonder if what would happen if you told them that. Because I presume that, 
you know, okay, fine, it's the lightest bike and they're assuming that power transfer isn't lost in a hardtail. But, you know, they're engineers at these bike brands. They're not silly. You know, the Specialized Epic, the Cannondale Scalpel, the Scott Spark, um, you know, amongst a whole host of others. Those full suspension bikes, they're flipping stiff. You know, and I don't know how many watts you need to be putting out to feel any kind of frame flex. But I guess it's going to be pretty high, right? I was going to say the, the lockout's very effective as well, the lockout technology they've got. I mean, pedal platforms are good and then lockouts are even better. So the riders have got a lot of tools at their disposal to help those full suspensions pedal as well as they can. I'm just, uh, sorry, complete side note, I'm just looking at the results of Alpstat. Um, both under 23 races were won on hardtails. Mm. Um, the uh, women's was won on a full sus. Uh, and hold on, let me just scroll to the bottom of a photo epic. Victor Koretsky would have been riding a full set, I'm pretty sure. But Pidcock was on his uh, was Pidcock on a hardtail? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, Victor Koretsky won on a full set on a hardtail. There okay. you go. So, so three of the four, three of the four under 23s and um, senior was one on a hardtail at Alpstar. So maybe the jury's not out there. Maybe it's uh, it's still jury's not out. Yeah. So how 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 are you going to? Uh, I don't know, Tom. Well, what, what do you think about answer that? The, answer that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going to do that, uh, but that felt, that felt a bit mean. So I was, no, I was going no, to flip no. it. I mean, yeah, uh, like a lot of riders were saying that Albstadt is uh, a track that favours a hardtail. Um, I don't know how much time training was going on to 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 back up which bike they chose. But yeah, it definitely seemed to be something the riders were happy with, whether that's to do with the, the layout of the track in terms of uh, the geography or the actual the, the material of the track and how rough it was. But yeah, it definitely seemed to work there. Okay, so let, let's, let's kind of flip it a little bit. So imagine you, you've got a budget of, you know, whatever, three, three to five thousand pounds or dollars, which is a pretty significant chunk of money and will get you a decent bike, whether it's hardtail or full size. You can probably only really buy one bike with that amount of money that's genuinely up to date, worth riding, great fun, etc. If you're a consumer and you can't swap depending on whether you're riding Novo Mesto or um, you know Hadley Country Park Olympic BMA, uh, cross country track in in the UK, um, good reference. What you know? What would you buy? You know, I mean, what would you say to potential potential customers? Will a hundred percent I would go for for a full suspension um I just think in terms of what you can get for that money there's so many amazing trail bikes out there for three to five grand that yeah I think it just it kind of if you're going for a slightly lower spec full suspension or a slightly higher spec hardtail uh, for me it's, it's obvious you'd go for the full sus just for extra speed extra comfort um and yeah just just in terms of all-round enjoyment and yeah looking after your body looking after your wheels getting less punctures i think yeah full sus at that price point is what you'd go for okay i mean of, of course i can uh, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna help tom out here because he's he's looking he's looking desperate for reasons to choose for the hardtail but you know you mentioned earlier you've got your your, your yearly bearing change and your six monthly shock service um and then you know, Tom, what, what would you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth here, but what would you uh, what would you recommend for the the same price? 
Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I have to argue for the hardtail, given given the um, the subject of this podcast. Um, so obviously, I, you know, you get your hardtail, you get better components, um, better forks, better wheels, better brakes, better drivetrain. Um, you save some weight, which makes life a bit easier. If you're putting it on top of your car. Less maintenance to do is always a good thing in my book because I hate fixing bikes. My absolute nightmare would be the mechanic being the mechanic for the under 23s of the World Cup. I could not think of anything worse. Um, but I, I respect you wholeheartedly for doing that, Will. Uh, not my cup of tea. Um, I, I mean, I, I like a hard I like the way they ride. I, I find it enjoyable to um, ride a bike that's a bit more challenging on tracks that aren't super challenging themselves. Um, the other benefit, of course, to riding a hardtail with your mates who are all on full susses, as is the case for me, is that it gives me an excuse for being at the back. I don't have to feel like awkward about the fact that they're all better than me. And I'm like, well, it's the hardtail. It's the hardtail. It takes more skill. And then when you keep up with them, you're like, yeah, it's because I'm on a hardtail. You know, I'm just that real, you know, real good. But actually, um, if I was going to go and buy one bike, it would obviously be a full suspension bike because, <laughs> you know, you can go faster. They're more comfortable. Um, and actually, these days with modern bikes, there's not that many downsides. And certainly for that three to five K range, there's some incredible bikes you can get with incredible value, ride really well, pedal very well as well. Um, I, For me, I think a hardtail is always going to be um, an optional extra. It's the N plus one for me. Um, I mean, actually, the N plus one for me is a gravel bike, but that's a different podcast. Um, it's the N plus two um, for sure. But I, I really, I really love that Marin. Like, genuinely, um, there's not many bikes in the past eight years of testing bikes that I would actually go out and buy with my own cash. Given that my job means that I can ride lots of full suspension bikes, I actually would, and I did last year consider buying the Elroy. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I genuinely brilliant. Wow. So that's uh, that's pretty uh, pretty pretty decisive from from both camps there, really, isn't it? That actually at that kind of budget, buy a full size bike. Um, what, what sort of money below, would you below fifteen hundred? Yeah, I'd okay. definitely consider a hardtail very 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 strongly. Um, I think the the value aspect of that, the quality of the components versus the quality you get on a full sus, unless you're lucky enough to be able to get something like a boss nut um, from Guard Doors. I think genuinely, I think you're probably better off looking at, at hardtails. Um, I think you do get a much better package for the money down of those at these sort of more entry level prices. Yeah, okay. I was wondering if that was going to be Al's next question. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, what 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 budget would you um, decide to choose a hardtail over a full sus? You know, where's the cutoff point? I, I know recently I've done quite a few budget hardtail tests. There was a five hundred to nine hundred pound one, and then a nine hundred pound one to a fourteen hundred pound one. And at that price point, actually, they, those bikes are, you know, they're really quite good for you know, compared to their full suspension counterparts. You know, the drivetrains are better, the forks are better, the brakes are better, the frames are better. Um, yeah. Plus, you don't have to round out all the shock bolts with your Allen keys when you're doing your maintenance, in inverted commas. Um, so, yeah, well, what would you say is kind of the, the, the money for you, Will, where you'd have to flip back from a full sus to a hardtail? Oh man. Uh, well, yeah, I think around a thousand pounds, if you're sort of high three figures, low four figures price range, I think it's just so, so difficult for manufacturers to be able to spec a good quality full suspension frame with good quality components around that price. It's, it's, it's really, really hard. Um, and I think in terms of weight as well, like hardtail is actually going to be quite a bit lighter 
because of the components, the lighter components, the manufacturers are able to spec and uh, a frame that is going to hold up to the abuse is just that much lighter without the rear suspension. So around £1,000, I think it's a very compelling reason to buy a hardtail. Maybe on that bombshell and Tom's battery capacity, um, we should end this. We should end this podcast with an incredibly um, indefinitive conclusion. Um, <laughs> uh, the best conclusions are indefinitive. They are indeed. Um, but you know, hopefully, maybe some of our um, insight will help you with your decision process of buying a podcast. No, buying a podcast. <laughs> maybe it'll help you choose to listen to our podcast and not buy a hardtail or buy a full suspension bike. Do buy a hardtail. Have fun. Have fun on your bikes. Buy a hardtail. So Tom's buy a hardtail. Will's nodding his head, but is mouthing buy a full suspension bike. Um, And I'm just saying words that I don't know what any of them mean. Listen to our podcast, buy a hardtail, (laughs) ride a full suspension bike, um, save lives. I don't know. (laughs) That's right. And once again, I I would like to give out a um, gold star to everyone that's managed to listen this far. Um, We do genuinely appreciate your your listens. Um, Please subscribe or whatever it is that you do to podcasts, download them. Um, listen to them in the car other things Um, thank you everybody (laughs) yeah cheers for having me guys yeah that's all right will yeah no worries well done your your incredibly um, structured um argument and actually we genuinely appreciated you you being here so hopefully we'll be able to get you on get you on more and maybe some i don't know maybe we could do some secret industry insights now that you've um looked through the the veiled curtain of World Cup racing. Um, maybe that would be quite quite cool to find out what all the juicy secrets are. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah, that sounds wicked. We'll, we'll get it planned in. I'll put it. I'll put it in the oh, schedule. Look at that. Thank, thanks also everyone <laughs> who's still listening to this. So well done. <laughs> cool. Well, there you go. That was our Bike Radar podcast. Um, thank you everybody again for the fifth time. Still saying thank you. <laughs> Uh, I think someone else needs to take over. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Um, Don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.